Shane, you hit him with your gun. I hate you. That's not the movie we watched. No, not. <laughs> Does it kind of remind you of like Goldeneye? Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> Welcome to Shane, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Lindsay Show's high school orchestra arrangements. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. No, again, not the movie we watched. Welcome. Hello, everyone. everyone. <laughs> We had some time off from doing this in real time, and I'm a little squirrely. It's, it's been almost two weeks. It has been. It would have been two weeks tomorrow at the time of our recording that uh, mm-hmm. since we've done this episode, or yep. since we recorded last. Yep. That's how far ahead we are, kiddos. Yep. So, yeah, fun. we watched Shane from 1953. It's a Western. Excuse me while I contain my excitement. Okay. I gave this one a shot. Yes. We did both. We, and we understand gave. why it's on the list, and we're respectful of it as a film. Yes. However, if you guys have been listening to this long enough, you know we're not the biggest fan of Westerns. Not really. Thomas thankfully explained this to us as to why they're important, and I get it now. Yeah. I just didn't really... It's... Again, I feel like Westerns are a... You like them or you don't. There's yeah. no middle ground. No. You... But... But, but explain to me how I like Fistful of Dollars. I like 310 to Yuma. We have High Noon coming up, which I like, I think. It must be, is it the story or the, like, the style of filmmaking they do for that particular type of story? Because this story is basically just... Yeah, and this one had more of a story than, like, other ones we've watched. But... Whereas, like, a lot of, like, the, the spaghetti westerns and stuff like that, a lot of the Clint hey, Eastwood ones... there is a story in Fistful of Dollars. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, in, like, a lot of the spaghetti westerns, it's, it's a, there is a story to it. It's just, it tends to be that the yeah, story... I, I like oh, High see, Noon. This high one is still up. about a loner. It's still about a, a yeah. guy who just comes this in and This went up helps. 24 spots, by the way. It went up? Yep. Is that number 69? Now it's a number 45. Please, someone tell me why. <laughs> I know why. I understand why. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just don't get what's. We weren't the biggest fan. No, it's not. I it just, wasn't bad though. It wasn't bad. The movie was well done. The movie was well put together. The movie was was. Although we're getting in the discussion, yeah, I two know. and a half we're, minutes in the episode. Yeah, it's not gonna be a long episode, kids. But sorry. it's it's. I get why. I get. I I understand. Yeah, like you said, I understand completely why this movie's on this list. I understand. I looked it up. I read the research. Mm-hmm. I read what it was based upon. The actual events that happened. That it's got a lot of the story is in. I know why it's on the American Film Institute's list. I got that. It's just. I just. Would I be like you know? This is not something I would sit down and watch for funsies. No. Would I recommend it to somebody if else? If you like westerns, yes. Yes. But if you don't... If you're not a Western fan, you're not missing anything. If your idea of a Western is Blazing Saddles... Then no, then don't no. watch this movie. Or Django. Or Django. Jang- Django Unchained. Sorry. I yes. can't just say Django because that's that actual <laughs> movie. a different movie. Django. Well, anyways, do your, uh, do your steal. What okay. Is, talk about the movie, Lindsay. Shane from 1953, 118 minutes, rated approved. It's a Western drama released in 1953 in... 
Italy, apparently, on September 24th. I'm just reading things on the internet. <laughs> I'm um, just reading I'm things. I'm reading things on the internet. Um, 7.7 out of 10. So not, like, our highest rating no. of, as of late. Um, starring Alan Ladd, Gene Arthur, Whoa. Van Heflin, and Brandon DeWild, and Jack Palance. Jack Palance, for those of you who are our age, know him better from, well, maybe Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman, or City Slickers <laughs> 1 and 2, which is my first encounter with Jack Palance growing up, was both City Slickers films. He played Curly, and then Curly's brother. Continue. <laughs> um, I'm looking at what else Jack Palance... Jack- oh, Jack Palance died in 2006. Yes, he has been Saturday. dead for a little while. He was pretty old, though. I think he was He was in, was in Tango and Cash. <laughs> What? He was. I'm, I'm not doubting. I'm not second guessing. Um, Roger Ebert, by the way, gave us a four star out of four stars. Okay, good to know. Yeah, the last big movie he did that anyone would know him from is City Slickers 2. Which he won an Oscar for the first one. And it was funny, I was reading trivia on City Slickers because I got distracted uh, after the movie. And I read that... Uh, Billy Crystal, actually, uh, his first movie he ever saw was Shane, which had Jack Palance in it. And then 31 years later, or thirty years, or 34 years later, did City Slickers with him, to which case then Jack Palance won his Oscar. Um, should I do the summary? Yes, do your summary. Do the summary and then do your summary. A weary gunfighter attempts to settle down with a homestead family, but a smoldering settler-rancher conflict forces him to act. So basically, Shane wanted covered to... Covered wagon Facebook! That was not a covered <laughs> wagon. That was not covered at all. There were covered wagons eventually. Eventually. It reminded me of Little House in the Big Woods, which I read as a kid. I don't remember that story. You probably wouldn't have read it. It was kind of... Like, do you know Little House on the Prairie? I know that. Little House on the Prairie is the, technically the sequel to Little House in the Big Woods. Which Little would House make in the Big sense, Woods I came guess. first. It's a good book. This Little House in the Big Woods just doesn't have that, you know... Little House in the Big Woods took place in Wisconsin. Yeah, buddy. Just doesn't have that, you know, you know, demographic appeal to it, you know. There's Little House in the Big... Little House in the Bear Prairie. That's all I got. What is your summary? Oh, someone didn't think of it. Or what is Lindsay's thoughts? Lindsay's Lindsay's thoughts thoughts. regarding Shane. That good, huh? That's good, Ben the Ugly. <laughs> you might as well have just hummed the theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> might as well. Seven? Might as well have gone um, Magnificent Seven. We've yeah. been wrong every other time. <laughs> Keep going. I mean, my thoughts on it are it's not a bad movie, but you really have to like Westerns to like this movie. Alright. That's my thoughts. That's Lindsay's thoughts. I didn't hate it. It didn't hold here's the thing. It's not that I didn't like it, it just didn't hold my attention. Yes. And I get a little ADD sometimes. You get ADD? Sometimes. Never. I don't believe that. Team shiny things. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to, uh, uh, well, awards, basically. Not a whole lot of awards for this particular film. Yes, I've yawned a bunch already. For something. Um, All right. There was a total of 13 total award nominations for this film. Six Oscar nominations. Oh, really? Believe it or not. Um, I believe it. The uh, it was nominated for and won best cinematography in color. That's oh, all it won oh. for. The other five that it was nominated for but did not win were best picture, okay, best actor in a supporting role for Brandon D. Wild, who's which the was little kid, Joey, the little kid, 
Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Jack Palance. So it had two Best Actors in a Supporting Role. Best Director and Best Writing slash Screenplay. The uh, Best Picture winner that year, actually it's not really fair because uh, the film that ended up beating it won a lot of films. Well, I guess not little. It's not, I can't say it's not fair, but the film that won, won for good reasons. It actually beat. It was beaten by From Here to Eternity, mm. which won... Best Picture and Best Director and Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress and, like, just won a lot of stuff that year. So, anyways, um, the uh, the film was, in fact, entered into the National Film Registry as of 1993. So it shall be preserved forever. And fun stuff. That's all I have, truthfully. That's all you That's got? all I got for awards. Not a whole lot. Okay. It's It was one of those movies that this happens every once in a while. We have lesser trivia regarding films certain films well i haven't gotten the trivia i mean not trivia there's lesser stuff to talk about when it comes to some of these movies but yeah that's all not really a whole lot of technology did should we talk about day for night no we talked about day for night did we when did we talk about it when was it used in i don't know it's been used a bunch we've talked about day for night did we yeah and if you don't know or don't remember when we talked about it look it up okay a lot of day for night used in this movie yes really annoying (laughs) do you want to talk about really quick let's talk about really quick Oh, day for night. Yeah. Basically, the day for night was a technique back in the day, and they even still do it some days, sometime nowadays, uh, when it's too expensive to have lights. Because back in early days of filming, they couldn't actually haul giant lights out to light scenes at night. So what they would do is they would film them in the late afternoon or dusk, or sometimes they'd film it in the mornings. And in the rare case, they would just film at any point during the day, and they would then darken the exposure and tint it a little bit blue, so that way it res- it looked like it was night. But what they can do is then they can get everything on film because obviously film requires light in order for it to expose the image onto the film, cameras, blah, 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 all that fun stuff, technical stuff. So basically a lot of these movies used to use what was called day for night where they would shoot it during the daytime and it would double as being nighttime. Right. And it's really noticeable if you've ever nighttime. seen it, you can tell what? Daytime, nighttime, day- nighttime. Daytime. nighttime, daytime, daytime. Okay. Since, you know, we get yelled at for being annoying a lot. Anyway... Eh. Forget that. <laughs> the scene where... Should I, can I do trivia? Trivia. Okay. I'm done. The scene where Alan Ladd practices shooting in front of Brandon DeWild, who's the little kid, yep. Joey, took 119 takes to complete. Gene Arthur, who plays Marion, star, star it, stare it, stare it. S-T-A-R-R-E-T-T. Their last name, right? She, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say Marion. Just say Marion. You just need to know first names. You don't need to know last names. It's not important. Jean Arthur was over 50 years old when she played Marion. She was, in fact, 10 years older than Emile Meyer, who plays the grizzled old cattle baron Rufus Riker. <laughs> wow. During the filming, Jack Palance had problems with his horse. In the scene over at the Starrett Ranch where Alan Ladd and Palance first look each other over, Palance was to dismount for a minute, then remount his horse. He could not remount, so the director had Jack dismount his horse slowly, then ran the film in reverse for the remount. Huh. (laughs) In the funeral scene, the dog consistently refused to look into the grave. Finally, director George Stevens had the dog's trainer lie down in the bottom of the grave, and the dog played his part ably. The coffin, loaded with rocks for appropriate effect, was then lowered into the grave. But when the harmonica player began to play taps spontaneously, the crew was so moved by the scene that they began shoveling dirt into the grave before remembering that the dog's trainer was still there. <laughs> That's morbid. And this awesome. is Gene Arthur's final film. Oh, really? Yep. She lived till like it's in like nineteen ninety. 
I know. Okay. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Jean Arthur, then over 50, came out of semi-retirement to play Marion, largely as a favor to her friend, director George Stevens. She would retire completely from the film business after this picture. Ah. Uh, Let me get through it. Well, I... God. <laughs> no, she's dead. She's, she's dead. now, but... She died in 91. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so she was... Out of it for a long time. Though. Catherine Hepburn was originally suggested for the role of Marion. <laughs> a lot of image stabilization done on that film. <laughs> oh. uh, Let's make fun of people with problems. Gene Arthur. so. <laughs> that was directed to me, not yeah, Lindsay. Don't assume that was her, okay? <laughs> Self- Remember that time I called you fat, fat, fat? I'm sorry I called you fat, fat, fat. I wish that was on this list. There's not like a single Mel Brooks movie on this no, list. It makes me not. sad. Jean Arthur, a committed animal lover, took it upon herself to personally inspect the conditions that the film's... Gosh, 300. Oh, God. The film's <laughs> roster of livestock were being kept in. If they weren't up to her satisfaction, she would ensure the matter was rectified. Who did that? Jean... Jean Arthur. She did that? Yep. Interesting. This was ranked number three on the AFI's list of the ten greatest films in the genre of Western. I'm going to look up and see what other ones are on there. The movie was released within a year after the landmark Western High Noon, which is also on our list. It was actually made before the Gary Cooper film, but it spent several months in the editing room. Meticulous care was taken at all levels of production. The physical props were true to the period. The buildings were built to the specifications of the time... 600. The clothing was completely authentic. Director George Stevens even had somewhat scrawny-looking cattle imported from other areas as local herds looked too well-fed and healthy. (laughs) Allergies. In the face-off between Jack Palance and Elijah Cook Jr., who played Tori, Tori tells Wilson that he's a low-down lion Yankee. Although director George Stevens kept directing Palance at this point to smile an expression of amused contempt at Cook, Palance continued take after take to show too much menace and not enough of a smile mixed in. Finally, Stevens took Cook aside and whispered something to him during the next take. Cook read his line and added, and a son of a bitch too. This time, Stevens got his take. When Shane faces Wilson, Shane says, you're a low-down Yankee liar. Uh, this is the only Alan Ladd movie to have played at Radio City Music Hall. Interesting. During the bar fight between Shane and Calloway, the off-screen voice that says knock him back, him back the pig pen is that of director George Stevens. That scene was so weird because it was just random, like, single lines of dialogue being quietly spoken by somebody you didn't see yeah. on camera. It was just weird. <laughs> Shane was originally scheduled for 28 days of shooting in Jackson Hole, which is in Wyoming, and 20 at the studio with a budget of $1,980,000. It finished after 75 days of shooting at a cost of over $3 million. Wow. So it was... It grossed $9 million. It was triple shooting time and tr- doubled the budget. The scenes of Joey chasing after Shane where he rides off into the final battle... I don't care anymore. Whatever. And the classic subsequent comeback Shane scene happened in the dead of night in the film in a day for night style, which we 
previously discussed. Yes. But in the accompanying trailer on current home video releases, the scenes are shown happening in broad daylight. So somebody messed up that transfer. Like we said earlier, Jack Palance was not good with horses. The one good mountain he achieved during numerous takes was he achieved during numerous takes was used in the film. One. <laughs> one time. <laughs> Music cues from the climactic ride that Shane takes to the showdown are from an earlier Paramount film called Rope of Sand from 1949. Really dramatic! (laughs) The film cost so much to make that at one point Paramount considered selling it to another distributor. The studio felt the film would never earn back what it cost to make and ended up making a significant profit. Because like I said, it made $9 I want to know how they spent so much money on this movie. It's a western. They're in the middle of nowhere. It had to been on, like, sets or something. They said they did it in Jackson Hole, and then they did it in the studio. Right. So, I mean, the, the money, the why it went so long out, Well, like... they built all the buildings to scale, like, to specifications. All the props were... Importing cattle? So That's like, where all the money went. Who and was in charge people? of the budget? I don't know. <laughs> you budget all that crap out first. <laughs> According to the commentary on the DVD, during the scene where Shane and Joe are fighting in the corral, the tied horses were supposed to panic. To instill hysteria in the horses, the director had two men dressed in a bear costume scare them. (laughs) (laughs) Alan Ladd was only five foot six. He was an inch shorter than me. Tiny Or taller than me. And this had to be compensated for. When he is in scenes with Van Heflin, the two are about the same height, although Heflin was far taller. When Ladd is shown with Jean Arthur, he is a perf- perhaps a bit taller than she is. Heflin, when Heflin is shown with her, Heflin is far taller than she is. Okay, I thought they were going to tell me how they did that. No. They just... This, they, they just... Anyway. I am to be as fun. <laughs> Although the movie is generally remembered for its blue sky vistas, the weather was actually cloudy or rainy for a great deal of the shoot. However, if you look beyond the mud in the town, you can see that the ground is dry. Obviously, the part of town had been watered down. Filmed between late July and mid-October 1951, the film was held back until its Manhattan premiere at Radio City Music Hall on August 21st, 1953, due to director George Stevens' extensive editing. And the film was remade 55 years later as Steel Dawn, starring Patrick Swayze. Really? Yep. The end. (laughs) The end. So looking up real quick online, uh, because I wanted to look up to see what the other country or what the other Western movies are. The Searchers is the number one on our list. That's on our list. Uh, High Noon is number two. This is number three, as you said. Unforgiven is four. It's on our list. And then Red River is five. Not on our list. Wild Bunch is six. Six. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is on seven. Still li- That's my favorite Western, though. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Because it was funny. Yeah. That was my problem. I, that's what I, not my problem. That's, that's what I problem. liked about it. Treasure uh, of the Sierra Madre? Nope. McCabin, Mrs. Miller, Stagecoach, and the Cat Baloo. Okay. I... I had to think about how to say that. All right, well, let's move on to the last two sections for me, okay. which would be Inflation Nation. Inflation Nation. All right, so let's uh, give a little backstory. Okay, so normally Inflation Nation, most of the time the movies that we do are take place in the year that they were made. So it's a little easier to figure out when exactly we're going off of when it comes to the 
the years. Sorry, I just got super excited about the next movie we're watching. Um, <laughs> well, save it. Oh, this will be fast, trust me. Uh, this one, however, didn't have a year because it was made in 53, but it was obviously made during the Old West. Well, looking up online and figuring out well when it was based off of, or what the event was that it was based off of, which happened in 1892, and then based upon some of the tombstones in the cemetery scene said the people died in 1892, I'm kind of, I estimated, and the Inflation Nation is based off of an 1895 Right. That was the year that I went off of. So, and all three of these came from one scene when they're in this, they're in the general store. And I think that was Joe. I think was looking through the Sears and Roebuck catalog and we freeze, we freeze framed it and looked at a couple. They were selling hats, men's boulder hats and women's undergarment clothing. So like underwear basically. Right. So, uh, two different hats and then an undergarment. One hat was going for $2 and 25 cents. That is the equivalent to $62 and three cents nowadays. Another hat was going for a dollar 50. That's equivalent to 41.35. And then a half a dozen of a ladies' fine cotton union suit. Yes. It was going for 85 cents a piece. That is the equivalent to 23.43. So that was the Inflation Nation. Woo! Wasn't really much. There was money exchanged, but there was never any comment as to what the money was. So I couldn't use it. Like like uh, one of the characters bought a, a whole bottle of whiskey, and I was kind of wish he had actually said how much right? it was. All right. So stuffing things with Jeff. I have seven things. For this episode. Number one, the theme to Shane is not Jingle Bells, no matter how similar it sounds. No, it's not. Number two, Joey is a child of the corn. He (laughs) is. was creepy. (laughs) He just stares and looks at you. (laughs) He looked into my soul. (laughs) I don't want to, Shane. Come back with us, Shane. Shane. Make me feel good, Shane. Shane. (laughs) Shut up, kid. (laughs) That escalated quickly. (laughs) So did their fights. Number three, Shane, why did you throw that whiskey in that man's face? That was a waste of perfectly good whiskey. Number four, nothing says Independence Day than slow dancing, a champagne-colored dress, and blowing up an anvil. Number five, oh, day for night. It's been a while since I've seen you used. (laughs) Day for night. Day for night. Day for night. (laughs) Number six, the music got the most dramatic when Shade rides his horse during day for night. It was weird near the end there. And number seven, okay, maybe the theme is Jingle Bells. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the theme. I'm pretty positive I will be playing it at the end of this episode. But listen to it. If you can find the theme for Shane, it's... It really does sound like verses from Jingle Bells. And it we were singing along, and it's just like a little slower version, but it's the right notes. It's the right... Yeah, it's it's really weird, but it's cool. All right, well, that is all the stuff that I have for today's episode. That is all the stuff and things with Jeff and Inflation Nation. So final thoughts regarding the movie, Lindsay? I know we kind of already talked about everything, but... Like I said, it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad Western. I'm just, it's not my type of Western. It's right. a good movie. Right. I understand why it's on the list. hmm Especially now that I know that all that stuff was done, like, you know, period. Right, like they actually cool. tried yeah. making it be a, as accurate as possible. It's, yeah, it's it's not a bad Western I don't know if I would have it this high up on the list, though. That's kind of weird. I, But again, I don't see the the great attraction to Westerns, so I cannot be a judge of that. Right. Personally, it would not be. You're not be, a Western fan. No, I'm not. Personally, it would not be on this list. Uh, this high on the list. It'd be on the list. It just, I think like this and Butch Cassidy could flip-flop. Because I think I enjoy, I enjoyed Butch Cassidy more than I enjoyed this one. 
Maybe I just like Robert Redford. I don't know. Yeah. That might be part of it because I liked him in every movie we've watched him in so far. But yeah, that's all. That was just me. Fair enough. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So, Lindsay, what is the next episode, next movie we are the watching? The next movie we are watching is The Philadelphia Story from 1940. It's a romantic comedy. Ooh, another rom com. Starring Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> And my main man, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I love my Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Things that are also on this list. Yeah. Um, It happened one night. Bringing up baby. Yep. <laughs> Things that are like similar. There you go. Nice. Oh, sorry. I should read you the plot. Yes. What is the plot? For when the a film? rich woman's ex-husband and a tabloid type reporter turned up just before her planned remarriage, she begins to learn the truth about herself. Ooh, intriguing. I have never seen Philado- The Philadelphia Story. Me neither. It was one of those movies where I always got it mixed up with Philadelphia, the Tom Hanks film. <laughs> which is not very, the same at all. Very different. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you talking about that Philadelphia is not a rom-com? I mean, it's all about no, Tom Hanks and not, not wanting to die. <laughs> yeah. About that. <laughs> about that little happy film. Still a good movie. I I've up. never seen it. I teared up at the end of it. Well, I'm proud of you. It's, and I'm willing to openly admit that. Feelings. Because if you watch Philadelphia and, and you have no feeling, you, have, feeling, no hope you, you. are dead inside. You are dead inside. You are dead. There is nothing inside you. <laughs> so, but I liked it. So that's cool. Well, I look forward to watching Philadelphia Story. Me too. Because I have, yeah, I've never seen that one. That'll be, that's a new one. We're, I we're, love Jamie Stewart. So. Yeah, I'm, oh, and it's, you said it was Cary Grant's in it yeah. too. Yeah. See, I'm really starting to like more and more of the, oh, some too. of these other older actors. It's fun. It's fun. I've always loved my Jimmy Stewart, though, so... We've got a couple pretty good ones coming up. Oh, I can't wait for the sound of music. There's going to be so much singing. I'll be done with school by the time we get to sound of music. Yes! So much singing. Ah! You like sound of music? No, actually, I'm not the biggest fan of sound of music. You know what? I haven't watched it straight through in a really, really long time, so maybe I will. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. I know I've seen chunks of it. I know. It's not one of those movies where it's like... I know we'll be watching and I'll be going, oh yeah, that song is from this movie. Like, I'll realize that as we watch it. Because what movie was that that we watched ages ago where I realized, oh, that song is from the, oh, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Way back in, way back in the Fun day. Fun fact. Remember I was talking about I program, I had a program fictitious yes. concerts for a project for school. I picked a George M. Cohan um, oh. medley of music. Nice. On purpose. On purpose. Huh? Well, when I was out in L.A., I happened to drive by the American Film Institute's headquarters. Did you take a picture? I took a picture of it. So that'll be going up on the Facebook. Around the time that this episode goes up, not when we're actually recording this episode. Are we on schedule or are we still ahead one? We're still ahead one. Okay, good. Sorry, kids. So, anyways, before Lindsay completely yawns to death. I'm sorry. It's been a really long week. I'm tired, too. I'm still catching up. The weather here is yucky right now, and... Spring. Yeah, it's spring. It's raining. It's <laughs> well, gray and uh, rainy. well, this was this was episode fifty nine. What number was this? Did you actually say what number it was? Yeah, it's forty five. Forty five. Forty five. Look at that forty five, Lindsay. I know. We have forty six more movies. To I do. know. No, we have forty five more movies to do. Right. Ben Hur. <laughs> my parents called me this last weekend during Easter. Okay, my parents called me during Easter yeah. and said, "Guess what movie we're watching?" And I go. I don't know. I guess Pet Cemetery because that's like my family's twisted Easter movie. Yeah. And they're like, "No, we're watching Ben Hur." I go, "The one movie on this list I haven't actually watched." 
That was back in the day before we made it a rule that we had to actually yes. watch the movie. We will watch. We will watch, watch Ben Hur. We'll watch it together. Yeah. We'll watch it during the daytime. Yeah. What were we thinking? We originally know. started this. Okay. Fun backstory for everybody who actually likes our podcast. Yes. Sorry, I'm still bitter. It's fine. I'm still bitter um, too. So don't worry. So when we originally initially started this, it was. Uh, we were going to watch the movie separately yep. and then get together and talk about it. Yep. I think the first one you we watched together was Yankee Joel Dandy. Yeah, because we realized... Because we realized, shit, I'm not going to watch this on my own. Because <laughs> we couldn't get through it and we needed that Because I put Ben-Hur... Like, I got Ben-Hur from the library yeah. and I was all set to watch it. Like, I set a Saturday aside to do it and I ended up, like, cleaning my room because I got bored. Yeah. Because what we did is we basically, we were both going to take notes. We were both going to, like, write mm-hmm, down the stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause we, we didn't have, like, the format of the show and all right. that. And that's why, like, I, I feel bad if because I know a lot of people who, when they start a podcast, they will listen from the first episode on. I am so and sorry. I, I feel so bad for the people. And I'm sure that, like, a lot of people who don't like the podcast, who don't listen to it, started listening to that for those first three or four episodes and then went, well, this show is stupid because, well, we didn't, You're know, stupid. We didn't know where the hell we were going with We were stupid. It. Yeah, we're willing to admit it. Again, that is why we are going to redo Ben-Hur. Like, do the right things. Probably the first episode you should listen to. Yes. Unless you want to listen to me wax poetic about Goodfellas for an entire episode. I'm still... Why is it this higher on the list? This is bullshit. I'm still debating about going back and just removing the first four or five episodes from the iTunes so people don't listen to them. Maybe. <laughs> they're terrible. I know they are. They are absolutely terrible. Well, besides that, well, welcome to the half hour mark of today's episode. We will... Uh... Not quite yet. Well, no, because I started this oh, yeah, beginning and fun stuff. So, but with that, uh, Lindsay, I guess we're done. So Philadelphia story next week. That'll yeah, it's gonna be good. We're getting better movies. Kind of. Man, we're almost we're almost in the top forty. I know. That's crazy. I know. It's Very really good. you know I'm repeating myself all the time, but I'm seriously at all in all that we're so far up the list already. We've watched so many movies. We really have. After I got yelled at at school today, I haven't seen some kind of influential sports movies. I'm not going to admit them on the podcast. Yeah. But I was getting yelled at for that at school, and I went, I have seen over half of the American Film Institute top 100 movies. More than half, because I've seen a bunch, a bunch. towards the top yeah, of the exactly. list. So shush. See, I just want to do this list so that way we can, I can do those BuzzFeed articles of how many of these classic yeah, films you've seen and go, there I've too. seen all there. of these. We're getting there. It's getting good. <laughs> all right, kiddos. All right, so everyone have a good night. Yes. Or morning, whatever you're listening to. It's all uphill from here. Yay! Yay! Good night, Radio Rahim. Yes. 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 Radio Rahim would have said, screw you, Wild West. I'm going to Brooklyn. Yeah! And he did. With his jam box. With his jam box. Walked across country. Ran across Forrest Gump a couple times, probably. True story. True story. True dat. True dat. Mm-hmm. Okay, shut it down. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. It's not Jingle Bells. It's not Jingle Bells. Hello, Internet Dwellers. This is Jeff Bell, president of the Ghost Hat Network, here at the end of this episode to give a quick plug about some of our other exciting shows. But wait a minute, Jeff. You have other shows? Why, yes, random listener, we do. If you head over to ghosthat.net, you can find a heap of shows we produce on a semi-regular basis. Like Super Happy Fun Time, the podcast where Colin Kirchner and myself sit one-on-one and talk movies, TV, video games, and other big things we care about. 
The Midnight Sleuth, a comedy detective mystery show in the style of old-time radio that follows the adventures of Midnight Sleuth and his partner, Linda Talbot, as they solve crimes, stop the bad guys, and poke fun at the source material. Famous Person Storytime, a podcast where celebrities retell their favorite nursery rhymes or fairy tales as best as they can remember it, even if that memory is completely wrong. So if you're in need of some new shows to listen to on your commute, while working out, or simply relaxing at home, be sure to head over to ghosthat.net now and subscribe to our shows. For more information about this and other projects, visit our official website at www.ghosthat.net or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghosthat.